Good evening. The story of Jesus' betrayal, suffering, and death is a difficult one to hear. These are not events that any of us would willingly choose for Jesus or for anyone. And yet we hold this mystery close because it is so core to our faith that only in surrendering to the darkness do we glimpse how far God is willing to go for love. That only in surrendering to the darkness do we see Jesus in all his humanity, all of his frailties, suffering alongside us. That only in surrendering to the darkness do we see God with us. As we enter the story on this night, we meet Jesus and his disciples on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. Jesus knows his hour has come, and he has come here to pray. His disciples, worried, weary, and grieving, struggle to stay awake. Jesus presses them to get up and to pray. And the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then, about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. Jesus knew that he would be given away by his own. But what kind of pain and disappointment did he endure in the moment he was betrayed? How about in the moment he was denied? Judas, with his plotting and fatal kiss. Peter, the one he called his rock, who swore he didn't know him. Tonight, we tell a story that happened long ago and far away and to ancient peoples, but the story continues on today in places near and far and in our own lives, too. Dear Jesus, we too have felt the sting of betrayal and estrangement from those closest in our lives. We too have betrayed and denied you and others. We too, like the disciples, let our fear lead us to impulsive words and actions counter to your purpose. But tonight, we see you, Jesus. We see how you remain loving in the face of betrayal, faithful in the face of humiliation, steadfast in, fa in the face of insults and cruelty. We see you nonviolent in the face of violence. You remain so confident in the call God has placed upon your life to the point that you surrender, absorbing the brokenness of the world through your sacrifice and your love. We see you and we pray for you, dear Jesus.
When the day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together. And they brought him to their council. They said, if you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, are you then the Son of God? He said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We've heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee where he began, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers treating him with contempt and mocking him, then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people. And he said to them, you brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of the charges against him. Neither was Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. 
He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. Betrayal by friends leads now to a betrayal by the religious and political powers that be. Jesus is passed around the system, so to speak. His case boomerangs from the chief priests and the council to Pilate, from Pilate to Herod, from Herod back to Pilate. He's a pawn in a corrupt system, it seems. Each stop has its own insidious role to play in trumping up flimsy charges against him. Each accusation plays off the last to arouse more suspicion and punishment, as if evil has a way of penetrating deep into the whole. And now the crowd changes sides with no explanation, that nameless, faceless crowd? Is it a groupthink mentality that seals Jesus' fate? There is just so much guilt to go around. Dear Jesus, your call for a kingdom where peace and true justice would reign so threatened the system. How malleable and imperfect are our notions of right and wrong, and how quickly evil takes hold in institutions and systems when power and privilege are exposed for what they are. We see what you were up against, dear Jesus. The same forces are at work in our broken communities and world. And lest we forget, we find ourselves in the fickleness of the crowd, too, in the way we love to follow the group when it's grounded in our own self-interest. We shout out, crucify him, crucify him, instead of shouting out for mercy. We see you, and we pray for you, dear Jesus.
As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country. And they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is, gr is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds? This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. was walking with Jesus, bloody and bruised up the hill to his death. What could they have possibly been feeling in those moments? We know there were women and babies wailing with grief. Simon of Cyrene was buckling under the weight of the cross Jesus could not bear alone. Were the leaders and power brokers along for the ride? Were they smug and self-righteous or anxiously rethinking how all this was playing out? Did one of the criminals confess his sins to God as he struggled to keep a foothold on the road? Did the swelling crowd continue to mock and condemn or had they become silently curious, like onlookers to some gruesome accident? Who would they call Messiah now? 
Dear Jesus, when we walk with you to your death, we are changed in and through each step. So even if it is painful, let us stay here a while with you, like the women who beat their breasts and followed you, the women who were for you and never left your side. Let us be the ones who trust in your faithfulness, even here at the tree of death. Let us be the ones who see at last that there are no places you won't go to be with us. We see you and weep for you, dear Jesus. We pray for you and for us.